1: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions. And this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we're speaking with Tammy Hearman. Tammy is specifically sought out by global Fortune 500 companies for her expertise in programs that accelerate women's advancement. While having significant impact in the C-suite, she's happiest when pushing up-and-coming leaders to break through organizational and self-imposed barriers to reach their potential. She creates trust by sharing stories of her own journey from senior consultant to senior vice president. Through alternating moments of humor and heartache, people walk away from their experiences with Tammy transformed. Welcome, Tammy Hearman. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic. Thank you, Lily.
1: We're so happy to have you on our podcast. So, Tammy, are you ready to pour into our listeners?
0: I am on a topic I'm very passionate about.
1: All right. So can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now?
0: Yeah, absolutely. After I finished my graduate studies, I moved from London, England, where I was doing my graduate school, to a little bit smaller uh, city, certainly in Toronto, Canada, but was much bigger than the place that I had grown up in, which is the equivalent to your Midwest in the U.S. Well, some people would actually have called me a a bit of a job hopper. I outgrew roles very quickly. You know, I added great value in the organizations I was in, but I got bored quickly. And through that, I was able to touch a lot of different sectors and roles. And then I uh, came upon a position, I was always enamored, it was the late 90s with the tech sector, and got on with a global technology company. And that's where I really kind of started in my formal leadership career. I was able to grow a function in leadership development, actually, in the human resources function. And then as, you know, happens and continues to happen, it was swallowed up by a larger Silicon Valley company. And that's when I joined a global consulting firm and stayed. For over a decade, and that's really where I was fortunate to grow into progressive leadership roles. So, in a short six years, I was promoted four times from senior consultant to principal to director to vice president to senior vice president. And you know, there was no room for job hopping because I was. Con- continuously, tremendously challenged.
1: That was a perfect spot for you then?
0: It was, and that's where I learned all the different aspects of leadership, business leadership, you know, building a strategy, a plan, targets, sales, team leadership, and I know we'll continue to talk about that, product leadership, thought leadership, Uh, and so there was no chance of getting bored. I was continually learning, and where I ultimately ended up was I led the function that created leadership development programs that we sold to clients, so uh, everything from the strategy to the curriculum uh, to the, the staff that would deliver it, and it was fun, and along that time, I got married, had a child was struggling with my own you know how do you balance work and family and continue to grow in your career and I became really passionate in working with advancing women in leadership which of course is a huge topic everywhere right now right and uh, so the next chapter for me was i continue to help propel female leaders forward but through my own consulting company and that's been about a year and a half now I get to focus lots of time now on writing and doing speeches and workshops and really help organizations be champions of female talent so that's where i am now
1: perfect so what is your consulting company
0: it's my name so Tammy Hearman at Tammyhearman.com and what I focus on is I love working with high potentials. So most organizations you know women kind of you start to see that drop out and chasm right in the middle where you know it's no coincidence that that's where either family planning starts or needing to take care of parents are starting at that stage And you see the gap in women in more senior roles really start to widen. And I love working with that level. So I often go and speak, you know, do workshops either with them or with the management population or work on high potential development programs and just kind of help them see what's possible for themselves. So do you identify high potential? Well, most of the time, organizations kind of come already with that list. However, as part of my various roles, I love to have, you know, an opportunity to help advise on that work. Many organizations, you know, do processes that aren't as objective as they could be. Or oftentimes they identify people without even understanding their motivations. They don't even talk to them and tell them that they are high potentials. And so, you know, there's lots of ways to help organizations improve with that process.
1: Now, how would you describe your leadership style?
0: My last going away party, you know, it's always a wonderful thing when you leave an organization and people say wonderful things about you. And what struck me is a lot of my colleagues had said I led through example Mm. in that I asked for feedback myself. I built relationships. You know, I continually tried to better myself. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because when I think about my style, I really try to impart, you know, I'm about connection, relationships and learning. So over my career, I became known as a really strong people leader, kind of a coach, a mentor, and someone who really invests in the development of the team. So my style is, you know, set the direction, whether it's on a project or whether it's for the whole department, get out of their way and let them do their work and understand who needs more guidance, who needs more help along the way, and who can kind of just go on. And so that's really important to me to make sure that they know I have their back, but they have the freedom to kind of do things. And then I also seek to build connections with colleagues and peers. So it's funny, I had a leader who told me he thought maybe I was a bit too soft and that maybe I you know needed to toughen up and kind of push and drive things through more and I thought well that's not the style that works for me because when you understand people's motivations their goals what they're about what's you know their hot buttons all of those things it's much easier to have tough conversations with them when you understand where they're coming from my approach was always to you're not going to love everyone that you have to work with but how do you influence through more through relationship and connection than just pushing your own agenda through
1: so that's interesting so he told you to toughen up
0: yeah when he asked you know do you care what people think of you and you know do you care too much because of course in leadership roles you have to make tough calls and not that I care what people think about me but I care about understanding what they think so that I can help kind of get them there right
1: but in the sense too I don't Overly care what people think about me, but I do care what people think about me because it reflects my relationship with them and our connection to them. So if the people that we lead are thinking poorly of us, then we need to look at ourselves, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that old adage too, you know, would you rather be respected or liked? And I think we have to look at, well, respected is what we want to be, but you know, along what lines? If it's just for our knowledge or our expertise, but not really for how we make people feel and how we build and and grow them. I think that for me, that's important too. Great.
1: Now, Tammy, which quotes speak to your life and why?
0: I've got a couple and one is more, you know, used for formal leadership, if you will. And the other is kind of more personal journey and good old Stephen Covey senior. Mm -hmm. He talks about leadership is a choice, not a position. And literally in my past 20 years of working with thousands of leaders around the world, I find that too few of them really understand what it means to sign up for a leadership position. They think, oh, it's just the next step or maybe I want more say or money or whatever, or just seems like the logical next step. They don't think through what it really means. And every day we're tested with these small little choices. You know, will I speak up? Will I have that courageous conversation? Will I do this or will will I let it slide? And so every day we're choosing kind of how we want to be seen as a leader. And I, I think people don't think about that enough.
1: That's a great quote. Leadership is a choice. Along those lines, if there were a high potential person, let's say, who wants to go into leadership, what would you tell her?
0: Well, I would say leadership is about wanting to impact things greater than kind of what you're currently impacting right now. So, of course, your sphere and span of control kind of widens as you progressively move up in leadership roles. But with that comes much risk and much heartache and hardship and tough days. And so you have to be sure that you're doing it for the right reason. And it's funny, just yesterday, I act as a mentor for an association and this woman you know in her mind she kind of had it that her path to growth was a c-suite position or you know, a very executive position at a large company and as i got to talk to her i said is that really what you want like let's talk about what it would take to get there and what it would look like once you're there and what kind of life you want to lead and at the end she said you know what i don't want that it just in her mind that's what she thought she can have equal impact somewhere else and so she actually just got a job and she's moving and she's in a much smaller organization but with tremendous impact and she can still grow there but there isn't one path so I think it's about understanding why do you really want right Right. yeah why do you want that why do you think you want that
1: that's important
0: so when I'm feeling (laughs) lazy, insignificant, powerless. I mean, we're in a world right now where there's all kinds of things going on and sometimes we can feel, you know, insignificant and, and powerless, especially in the work I do around women in leadership. and leadership. But there's a lovely quote by Anne Frank that says, how wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. And for me, this is about small L leadership, that every single one of us can talk about what's the impact we want to have on our students, our communities, our countries, our organizations, whatever it may be, our family, and that none of us is too insignificant to just every day, just a small step towards something, you know, is important in progress.
1: Love that. Thank you so much. Now, tell us about a leader who inspires you
0: that's funny because i think when i do programs with leaders we always have these quotes on the wall of famous people and you know and there's no shortage of that but i keep coming back to one of the first great leaders that i had in my career at that software company and I don't think I fully appreciated it until I became a people leader myself. And he was a true developer of talent. So he did a few things incredibly well. The first is he listened so intently. I mean, he was an executive. And when you were in his office having a conversation, he made you feel like you were the most important thing he had to do at that moment. And just really, really felt listened to. And Even his face would kind of scrunch up as you could tell he was listening so intently to you. And so he did that well. And the other thing he did really well was he he was great at seeing potential in people. And then he told them, there are too few leaders, we we go around just, you know, whether we like it or not, we're mentally, consciously or unconsciously kind of judging and calibrating people on our teams. And do we tell people, do we tell them when we believe that they have great potential? We don't do that enough. And he did. And then when he voiced that, he would help and he would nudge and he would push people and help them, you know, realize that potential. People wanted to work with him and for him and, you know, keep him on as a mentor. So what I learned about great people leadership was from him because he inspired me to make others feel like he made me feel like I could do anything. That the world was my oyster. And I thought, I want other people to feel that too.
1: That's beautiful. I always think about those leaders who valued me, I would go the extra mile for yes and, and so evaluating people is really important
0: absolutely well it's funny you said that because he did engender a lot of loyalty and i remember I, this was before i was married before children my boyfriend at the time who later became my husband we wanted to do a trip to a safari in africa so we needed quite a bit of vacation time but i had already used up all of my vacation and i went to him and asked for a um, unpaid leave of absence because i really didn't want to miss this trip and he said to me you know what tammy he said this is a once in a lifetime opportunity it's two weeks i know you're gonna make up the time he said just go oh, just go and do you think i didn't work like you said work like that's right for him, of course i poured everything into that job for someone like
1: Smart Yeah. So I've heard you already several times say people leader. Tell me why people leader, not just leader.
0: I like to put the emphasis on whether it's people leader or talent leader or team leader, whatever it may be, because I think leaders don't spend enough time on that. And you cannot progress as a leader. You cannot work on the strategic things that your boss wants you to work on unless you have a team that is just coming along. And so for me, that is one of the most critical parts of leadership is the people leadership part. So it's reminding
1: people, hey, you're a leader, but you lead people. Yeah. Love it. All right.
0: So Tammy, tell us, what's the best advice you've ever received? There's been a lot over the years, but one I received in the last two years that I'm is really kind of top of mind for me all the time is it was a former colleague who said, you know think of the life you want, and then how your work fits into that. And for me personally, I was at a point where I was reevaluating you know what's my next chapter look like, and so I could do that. but I think it equally fits for young people starting out in their careers. You know we hear about the younger generations they are doing this, but when they're looking where they want to invest in their careers, you know, how does that fit into what you want to be known for, what value you want to add, how you spend your time, how does it contribute to that kind of life picture you're finding, as well as those who are kind of planning for the final stages of their career or how they want to spend their time. I don't know if anyone really retires anymore. So many people just move on to doing different types of work. Um, But we spend so much of our time at work and we're literally killing ourselves. You know, mental health and social media obsession and stress and burnout we spend so much time at work i think it was really sage advice to say how do you want to contribute to your life what does work how does that play into that bigger picture and i think for women because we get so mired in just trying to get through the, the work day and then go home and get through the you know get through our second job and it's tough so that was a good piece of advice for me to keep the bigger picture in mind.
1: now along those lines with the responsibilities that you have What do you do on a daily basis to set your mind?
0: Lily, I love this question because I'm such a believer in mindset. And so much of the work I do with leaders, and particularly women, is, you know, how do you understand kind of how you're thinking about things and how might you need to reframe? So for me, the first thing when I open my eyes in the morning, I just do a little scan. Where am I at? How am I feeling? Mm -hmm. Am I feeling exhausted, like I don't even wanna get out and I'm not looking forward to my day. Am I excited about my day and what I have planned? Like just it's that quick, okay, where am I? Where's my brain leading me? And if I need to reframe, then I do. And I often ask myself, Tammy, what impact do you want to have today on the people that you're meeting with, that maybe you're addressing through a speech or through a workshop or through a podcast? What impact do you want to have? And how do you need to kind of set your mind to bring that right lens and focus and energy in? So that's the first thing I do. And then, you know, back to Stephen Covey and then certainly others, and they talked about, you know, what are the one, two, three rocks you have to get through these things of the day? And so I asked myself, what one to three things do I have to? do so that when I am back asleep here at night I have as little anxiety as possible and for me it's what are the couple work priorities and what's my health and wellness priorities that's been a big focus for me lately exercise and wellness and so you know what are those critical few things and make sure I get to those and then like everyone else you say okay how does the rest of my day unfold and what does that to-do list and priorities look like
1: health and wellness especially for women and it's changing because we're talking more about it Mm -hmm. but we tend to put ourselves last because we tend to be
0: caregivers and which is fine but if we don't have health we can't give any absolutely I think another thing women suffer with more so than men is rumination, you know, really thinking over and over, whether it's kind of beating ourselves up or being too hard on ourselves or replaying that conversation over and over in our head until we can't sleep. Researchers have shown that it's one of the reasons women suffer higher levels of anxiety than men. And that's why I love this question. It's, okay, what am I thinking about? How can I stop the downward spiral of the negative thoughts? And how can I reframe to, you know, have gratitude, be kind on myself, uh, let things go? really important for women's mental health specifically i've
1: never spoken about rumination but i appreciate you bringing it up because it is true we can spiral downwards even when we're really positive something can happen and we spiral downward and we need those tools that you're talking about we need to have several of them
0: absolutely
1: so tammy i was thinking about your clientele who's your typical clientele
0: So it would be organizations that are investing in diversity initiatives, particularly gender diversity in the workplace. So they have goals to build their pipeline and advance more women into leadership roles. That would be my typical clientele. And, and then I speak a lot, with there's so many associations that are springing up all across the world, certainly around, you know, getting women together through networking and community groups. And so I'll do a lot of speaking at those type of association events. In the past, you know, who are the companies... Investing, well it was the big banks, it was the big consulting firms, it's the big consumer packaged food companies, it's, and now every organization, I think, because of the societal pressure, and you can't open a newsfeed without seeing something in the media around gender equity, equality, pay equality, something. So every organization is now forced to say, okay, what are we doing in this area? So really, now it's almost every organization who's looking to advance kind of women is in my wheelhouse. Hey
1: leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Let's talk about the leadership game. Here are some of the things that you and your team will experience while playing. Team building, using a fun and engaging tool. The leadership game is a board game that allows everyone to gather around the table. Open sharing and communication. Every question and discussion card is designed to trigger open, honest feedback. Leadership Skills Assessment, the game challenges your team members to embrace who they are as leaders and stronger relationships. By the end of the game, team members will learn to appreciate one another and forge stronger relationships, a winning edge for any organization. So go to masterleadership.org forward TLG and find out how to bring the leadership game to your organization. So what does it mean to you to have a good team and how do you build and sustain one?
0: Yeah, I've done a lot of work with teams. It means everything. I've seen so many leaders kind of cap out at that middle part of the organization because they just can't get their teams up and running and successful. We'll start with what does success look like? It means that a leader can go on a vacation for one week or a sabbatical as long as they want and they are not tethered to their phone the team doesn't fall apart and I think what most leaders don't understand is that your job is actually to make yourself irrelevant mm-hmm. and only then can you move on to other positions that you're wanting to or those projects that always just kind of sit on the side of your desk that you never get to so that's when you know you got a good team so what does a good team look like well they're aligned first of all around what they need to achieve I've seen Mm -hmm. so many teams in these team Mm -hmm. meetings and they just want to poke their eyes out with their pens because they're so bored. They don't even know what they're doing there. You've been in those meetings, haven't you? (laughs) Because nothing feels relevant and that's not what it's about. So, you know, how do they understand what they share and own together? And then you might have teams that have very, different areas of responsibility. But as a leader, you have to figure out what's the common goal that you're working towards. And so that you're aligned towards that goal and strategy. And then they don't avoid the tough conversations. They embrace peer feedback on, you know, all of that good stuff. And they have each other's backs. You know, again, you don't have to love everyone that you work with, but you do have to respect what they bring to the table. So a good leader kind of works on the alignment and they work on the engagement of the team.
1: So there are two things that come up for me as you're talking. You keep saying tough conversations Mm. and you sound very sweet. (laughs) I know there's fierceness in your heart, a good thing. So tell me about why are tough conversations important to have?
0: So they're important to have because I've yet to be in a single team or organization where everyone thinks the exact same thing and every decision is the perfect one, Um, that just doesn't exist. And so, tough conversations feel tough because we think they feel like conflict and that's the biggest thing. Gosh, I've facilitated so many, you know, coaching and feedback workshops or team effectiveness workshops and the first thing we have to do is say, how are you looking at this conversation you need to have? And is it because you feel that it's conflict or can you actually switch that around and say, oh my goodness, you know, this person needs information that only I have. And normally everyone is talking about this person in negative light and the poor person themselves don't even know it yet. So if you can switch your mindset around to, you know, I'm doing a thing that not only is my responsibility, but that helps this person. This is a conversation to help, not to have conflict. That's the first thing. It's just not common for leaders to have this, whether it's with their teams or whether it's with their colleagues or their boss. We just avoid, avoid, avoid conversations where we feel there's a difference of interpretation or opinion or whatever it may be. It's so true.
1: But sometimes conflict is okay. You can grow even through conflict. Now, you also said that a successful leader of a team is looking to be irrelevant. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: know what you mean, and I love that. But to some people, that's counterintuitive.
0: Yes, because our own ego gets in the way. And a lot of us want to feel important. And we feel that there is an import to leadership. Like I said, it's always right in the middle of the organization. You can't break through into the more senior levels until you let go the team can you know just kind of run without you run without you on the daily things Mm -hmm. and to do that takes a lot of work because oftentimes you have to make changes on your team you have to grow and coach people you know sometimes people move into different parts of the organization that are better fit so it's tough but once you kind of break through and get that it's not that you become irrelevant to the team it's that you become irrelevant to the daily tasks so that you become more relevant on bigger more strategic things
1: we empower people it's what a great leader does because it's what you said it does enlarge in ways that we don't even see yet
0: exactly and you have to put more time then into leading across an organization and up and less leading down that's kind of what i say if you want to break through into more senior leadership positions you have to focus on across and up or out into your stakeholders whether it's a community or students or customers whatever it may be and less down with your team
1: all right so tammy can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it shaped your life
0: i decided to share something a bit personal and be a bit vulnerable because I think more women need to and are starting to speak out about this, and that's infertility. And I was lucky enough to very easily have my first child, but when it came to having a second one, it just wouldn't happen. And the doctors could find no reason. I kind of think it was stress with work and everything. But what happened was, for any woman that's gone through this, daily, you're going to the doctor at 7 a.m., blood tests every day, shots, you're hopped up on hormones beyond belief. That can make you crazy. That make you crazy. (laughs) And then you have to step into work with a face and just pretend like nothing is happening. (laughs) And back then, I had this idea of what professionalism looked like and was trying so hard to live up to that and I only told one person in my workplace well what happened was one of my colleagues kind of said something not so great to me and I could no longer hold it together. And I just kind of went to the washroom and spent some time crying in the washroom and then it kind of had to tell a few more people. And I thought to myself, geez, what I learned as a leader, I am so empathetic to people's whole lives. And, you know, it doesn't mean you have to share things going on. And I certainly don't pry, but if you create an environment and a chance, then at least people have a choice. And it doesn't mean that you have to solve their problems or be a therapist. It just means that you can help give them the space to deal with things. And I think too many organizations and leaders just take such a short-term view of this week or this year, this employee, and yet we say we wanna keep people for decades because they're so important. And these are little, small, not small, but you know, it from a time frame perspective, we panic about people needing to take a week off or this or that in a whole career. It's nothing. And so I've become really, really empathetic to kind of people's whole lives because we can't just turn it off when we come to work. It kind of gave me perspective. I never was able to, uh, to have another child. But what I realized is I needed to work to be happy, meaning happiness doesn't just happen in our lives. We can't be bought. We know that. And it doesn't just happen. And so, yeah, I picked up some good old self-help books, and I just fell in love with Gretchen Rubin's Happiness Project. And that's where I really started to gain perspective on gratitude and meditation and things I used to... If I'm being honest, kind of poo-poo and scoff and laugh at. And you don't realize how important strategies they are until you really need them. And so I think just as a person it gave me that perspective on be happy with what you have and have gratitude for that and not what you don't have. So, yeah, it was an interesting journey through that.
1: And that's deep. And I've heard a lot of leaders talk about the importance of gratitude and the perspective it gives us. Some of them do gratitude journals, Mm -hmm. some of them pray, but it always comes down to that perspective. It's a choice um, and to have a different perspective. And I know that many women have struggled with this. I struggled with it. So when you talk (laughs) about the injections and getting up early, oh my goodness, it brought back so much. The emotional swings that happen and you try to keep it together and how difficult it is. But to have someone to at least say, hey, it's okay to have someone in your corner means the world. I appreciate you sharing that. Sue, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes?
0: So I, I mentioned that I do a lot of speaking, and a number of years ago, it was the very first time that I spoke at a really large conference, and like I'm talking thousands of people, with very famous people on stage. In fact, in your sector, you would know Sir Kenneth Robinson was on stage. Yeah, he was on stage after me. What? <laughs> you know, someone who was knighted for his work in education. <laughs> lovely Um, and before me was supposed to be a professor from harvard but it was the winter and her flight was cancelled due to weather so she sent through a video of herself but the video was much shorter than her spot that they had given her and so they come to me again this is you know one of my first times on this large of a stage with people like this and they said, do you think you can lengthen your speech and put a, a Q&A with the audience? And of course you say, sure, sure, I can do that. And you know, the speech went well, but I was really proud of the question and answer, which again, was new for me at that scale. Mm. And you know, came off stage and there was Sir Ken and he said, you were really good. Oh. And I thought, okay, I can do this. But again, I'm such a big fan of mantras and, you know, positive reframing that when I catch myself, what am I doing here? What do I have to say? How can I speak, you know, with these people? I just say to me, you belong here. You belong mm. here. And I just keep telling myself and reframe. Yes, yeah, so that was one of my greatest successes that I thought, okay, I can do this.
1: This just comes full circle because when you shared about your challenges, it makes sense why you emphasize people leader, because you're so invested in people. And that's who you see as a leader. It's not a position. It's not power, although you can have all that. But to you, the emphasis is the people. And that's what matters. And it makes sense. And it also reminds me of the story that Brene Brown talks about. It's a similar situation where she's going on stage and she's a little nervous. Yes, She just kept saying, they're people, 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 people. people. That's all they are. Oh, yeah. so
0: you too watched The Call to Courage. Of course.
1: Oh, good. I love that. And I love yeah. how you bring that to life. And it also gives us tools. You know, even if we're talking to 100 people and we're nervous, even people who have spoken to thousands and are nervous need some tools. So oh, that's absolutely. important.
0: I study a lot of, kind of gender research and differences. And, and one of the things even for women is... Speaking up in meetings, so it doesn't need to be thousands of people, it could be five people in a meeting room Mm -hmm. and not finding the voice to speak up, to say a dissenting opinion, to take credit when someone just restated your idea, you know, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So even a mantra in that situation, I remember playing with those myself, speak up, say Mm -hmm. it first. I would just kind of say things to myself as I was kind of working through trying to take up more space in meetings.
1: Thank you. Now, Tammy, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you, and what are you learning now?
0: Well, it's funny because my chosen career has been learning and development
1: and we know you get bored
0: (laughs) and so you know when I was young and as I mentioned I could move to the big city I I would just sign up for a course I signed up for fashion merchandising one time which had nothing to do with anything I had studied but I thought would be interesting and then I started studying German and, and so I have this kind of this quest but what I say to leaders you know if our organizations are good we have those development plans at the end of the year and everything feels like such a big chore and what I say is that learning actually happens in the tiniest little small chunks almost daily and so I'll give you an example there was a wonderful woman on my team who wanted to increase her ability to speak confidently in front of executive leaders and so she identified this as a goal And in any interaction we had, it could be a team meeting over the phone, it could be an in-person meeting, it could be a customer meeting, wherever we were, we would take just minutes after. We could be walking down the hall back to our desk and she'd say, okay, this was my intent, this is what I tried. How did it go? And I would give her feedback. It would take minutes. And then the next day, she'd do it again and, and again and again. She moved so quickly along that goal because she just took tiny little moments every day. Even teachers standing in front of a classroom, these kids might only be eight years old, but it doesn't mean that they can't practice, you know, just standing with a posture and taking up more space or speaking with more animation in their voice or whatever. I'm just making examples. We have them every day that we can make movement on these goals. And so it's not about, oh my God, now I have to learn this. It's about how do you just tip away bit by bit in small practice opportunities and then you get it and you move on to something else.
1: It's Mm -hmm. almost like you're tuning into like a learning frequency and it's intentional.
0: I like that, a learning frequency. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be incredibly intentional and deliberate. And getting feedback is very helpful, of course, if you have the opportunity to line that up. But Absolutely. That's a great way of putting it.
1: And what are you learning now?
0: Oh boy, so many things. So the biggest,
1: you know, Tammy. It sounds like you're like me. I say this with all respect, but it sounds like you're addicted to learning.
0: I'm addicted, addicted to, to learning. <laughs> it's fun, though. As long as you mix in kind of the quote-unquote fun things with you know heavier things. I have fun learning and creating. <laughs> um how to be an entrepreneur so that was kind of my next chapter and that's new for me how to be a published writer i had written a lot in my previous jobs but now it's working on a book so that's very different you're working Um, on a book mm
1: -hmm. how wonderful can you share anything or not yet
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I've got ideas for working titles, but there's nothing there uh, that I would share title-wise. But really, it's what I've identified over the years is common ways that women can be their own worst enemy instead of their own best ally. Hmm. And so it's those top reframes or mindset shifts that we need to make and I'm thinking along the lines of you know it's kind of a survival guide for the bone-tired underappreciated overworked working woman it's oh kind my of gosh the, yeah. that's education <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Yes, we need that book. Um, Carry it have, write it and
1: come back on
0: <laughs> I actually have a few stories in there about teachers and someone who wanted to be a principal and was questioning you know her ability to do that, and so yeah, no, I think it'll be good for any working woman yeah, so that's what I'm working on right now. you know how do you really kind of create a business and, and become a better writer and I think there's a lifetime of learning in gratitude and meditation. And so I'm very new on that journey. So I'm trying to uh, to get a little bit better at that.
1: Perfect. Thank you. Mm. Now, Tammy, if there were something you could change in education, what would that be?
0: Oh, well, this is a tough question. I'll say access is a huge thing that I really strongly believe education should be a right and not a privilege. You know, and it's certainly younger levels, but also, my goodness, in college and university, it's it's the cost of that in North America compared with Europe and other models is just insane. But the other thing I was thinking about is I have this light bulb moment and you in the work you do and you know in education this might not be such an aha for you but my own daughter does not enjoy school you know if you ask her what her favorite subject is it's gym she's incredibly active she's a competitive dancer so anything active she loves but she always would say to me mom why do i even need to learn that like as if i'm gonna need that when i grow up and for the most part you know the answer is yeah you probably won't ever look at that again or need that piece of data what grade Um, is she in she's just finishing grade six my light bulb moment was, I said, you know what? Your job right now is actually not to focus on, you know, what is this piece of history or this science thing? Your job is to learn how to learn. Mm-hmm. How can you learn how to enjoy the learning process? Mm-hmm. And I think our system in North America is just all about learning to the curriculum, you know, learning for what's required on the test. And it feels like that. And how do we create an environment where kids just got to learn how to learn. That's what they have to do right now because they'll figure out what interests them and which way they want to choose their domain expertise. But too few students understand how to learn and how to enjoy that process.
1: That's so true. And what's also true is we're having a lot of conversations about it. And I think we're starting to see some light here. So that's good (laughs) conversations like this. So yes, I appreciate it. Thank you. Now, Tammy, What have you read, watched, or listened to that our listeners should as well, and why?
0: Well, you and I already mentioned Brene Brown's Netflix special, The Call to Courage. So if no one has watched that and is listening to your podcast, please look at that, because as leaders, we certainly need more vulnerability. It's actually funny, just this past week, my husband had a meeting with one of his colleagues in another country, and he came home and he said, you know what? I didn't know this person very well, but I started to share with them kind of the challenges I had in building my team. And he made some recent changes to his team and you know that was tough for him. And he said, as soon as I said that, this person just opened up to me. And he said, I can't believe that when you're vulnerable, how people will open up. And, <laughs> and I'm just staring at him and I'm like, wow, it took you 50 years to realize that. But, but yes, it does, right? So yeah. I think that's so important. The other thing I just read, and I think you had her as a guest. On, on your podcast is The Good Fight by Leanne Davey.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Tough conversations. I, well,
0: it is. And <laughs> gosh, so as leaders, we're not courageous enough to have those. And so we talked a little bit about conflict and what feels conflictual and how we need to reframe conflict. And her book does that in the funniest way possible. I mean, if you think you can read a quote unquote, it's in the business leadership section at the bookstores and you're laughing, you're laughing out loud. It's her story. Is wonderful in such a topic that is uncomfortable to so many people. So that's another one that I would say is a really good practical read.
1: Yeah, and I love that she's a non-confrontational person, (laughs) and she writes a book about this because that's one of the muscles that she had to kind of work on, and she does such a fabulous job. So thank you for bringing that up. Yay, Leah! Yeah. All right. So if you were to go back in time what advice would you give the younger you about leadership?
0: I would tell myself to be bolder sooner. It took me a long time to find my voice, my courage to stand up for myself, whether it was in meetings or with my boss or coworkers or customers. I too am a conflict avoider. I too am introverted i had a leader tell me that i took up a chair but it's like i wasn't even there Um, yeah so i really had to work on bringing my voice and you know they like anything the more you practice it's a muscle that gets stronger and so now i can have very courageous conversations and i wish i would have started on that journey a lot sooner so i would say you know go for it don't worry about looking stupid sounding stupid fumbling with your words just start practicing and stretching that muscle
1: that's right and we're gonna fail and we're gonna bump up against a lot of things but we keep moving forward right
0: yeah absolutely
1: awesome all right so is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners
0: well i would just say you know I wish everyone well on their leadership journey wherever they may be on it and if they have Stories, examples, comments, questions, something in specifically with women in leadership. And I mentioned, you know, how we can be our own worst enemy instead of our own best ally. And I'd love to hear from them. Um, I need lots of stories for my writings.
1: How should they reach you?
0: It is T-A-M-M-Y dot H-E-E-R-M-A-N-N at gmail.com. Or TammyHearman.com as well. I can be contacted through my website. Perfect.
1: Mm-hmm. Tammy, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been such a great conversation.
0: Well, oh, thank you, Lily. It was fun and important as always for me as well. So,
1: All right. Yeah. Well, have a great day. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message